You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Michael Kist. Are you caught me not listening again? Benjamin Solak. You never listen! It's the Kist and Solak Show. Presented by SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. You are flying high on the Kist and Solak Show, episode 115, brought to you by the fine folk at SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. Michael Kist here with Benjamin Solak. Follow him on Twitter at Benjamin Solak. That's S-O-L-A-K. How is the best doggone co-host in the game and Mr. Nine Year Streak without a bad day doing? Ben, say what's up, man. It's week one. Eagles won. Hello. Dude. <laughs> All right. One down, 18 to go. Exactly as planned, exactly as scheduled, exactly as anticipated. Yeah. Nothing about that game was different than we thought it would be. The thing about explosive, dangerous offenses is sometimes you go down 17 to nothing, and then sometimes you go on a 32 to 3 run. These things happen. Think about how benevolent Doug Peterson was to, get, to spot the Redskins 17 early, to just <laughs> make it feel like a more competitive football game. Okay. Yeah. So let's talk jokes about jokes. It. The Eagles opened the game, surrendering a five-minute drive to the Washington Redskins, which ended in a 46-yard touchdown to Vernon Davis uh, on, a, on a missed tackle by Sandejo and then a broken tackle from Vontae Maddox, and Davis made it all the way down, and, and, and it was a very emotional touchdown for Davis, and it was very touching. The Eagles proceeded to go three and out on their next drive, uh, due in large part because the third and two became a third and 17, because Deshaun Jackson got scrappy with Quentin Dunbar. Silly. I do not care how many yards that penalty was worth. I was very fine with that. Yeah. At Deshaun getting into a scrape on his third snap back was the most important thing that happened to me in the whole game. <laughs> I was honored. And like he didn't he didn't even start it. Dunbar was like smashed right, exactly, his head yeah. against his. Like it was it was silly. Right. That's the thing is I said like oh like Deshaun starting a fight like on his third snap like it's so great. And people were crying like he didn't start he didn't start. I was like I don't care. Yeah. Deshaun fighting <laughs> on his third snap back is just amazing. Yeah. And then the 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 Eagles subsequently surrendered a another long scoring drive which ended in, in a field goal. Yeah. The first quarter ended I think one play into the Eagles second drive. So the Eagles were down for the first quarter, 10 nothing. They had ran like four to five offensive plays. I saw takes asking to fire Jim Schwartz. <laughs> I saw takes wondering if we had overestimated Carson Wentz. I saw takes saying that uh, the, there was, the Eagles weren't going to be able to play themselves back into the game. Yeah. Which essentially boils so down to we have officially returned to week one. <laughs> yeah. And I had people give me the response of like, oh, what, fans aren't allowed to be upset? No, you're allowed to be upset. Like, absolutely. Like, listen, when it was third and three... On, on a Redskins drive in the second quarter, and they completed a five-yard pass because Jim Schwartz had his corners 10 yards off the ball. Yeah. Yeah, I wasn't thrilled. Right. When the Eagles failed to, con- failed to convert on a third and one because they ran the stupid under-center toss sweep. I was upset. Where they make a third and one, a third and eight all of a sudden. I was pissed. By chucking the ball seven yards on the line. No, I'm not, never will I tell you I'll be happy with those play calls. Right. But here's, here's, here's my issue with this. The Eagles were a very, very good football team. Everybody thought they were good going into the preseason. They then went one and three with their starters barely playing. Nobody thought they were worse. Nobody was like, oh, so the Eagles are bad now, right? Oh, it's the preseason. Yeah. Two offensive drives and two defensive drives are not nearly enough data 
to change your opinion on a team. Like I would like you and I, you, you, you and I were talking about this and I was tweeting about this a little bit. Like I had zero concern for the outcome of the game and it was 17 nothing with 40 minutes left. Why? Same. Because I know the Eagles were a very good football team because I believe the data over, you know, the careers of the players, the careers of the coaches, the offseason was worth a little more than the data of the first two drives of all the starters <laughs> playing together. Right. And a lot of the, if we, if we talk about some of the initial issues and kind of how they reconciled themselves, a lot of the initial issues on offense, Mike, were a, a bit of what I think we anticipated in terms of you have new faces and you have to figure out how to distri- distribute these balls. I mean, Alshon Jeffrey did not have a completion or a catch, excuse me, until that, that I believe, that first scoring drive for Philly. Right. And he really woke things up in the second half when Philly's offense started to get on track. So, you know, Alshon wasn't uh, a big enough part of the offense. The running back targets were heavily disproportionate in the first half. Very much so. There was a lot of checkdowns, a lot of quick stuff to backs out of the flats, little swings, little screen stuff, a ton of stuff behind the line of scrimmage. The Eagles started pushing the ball down the field more, got to Sean Jackson, Alshon Jeffrey, and even Zach Ertz more involved in the intermediate levels. So... The Eagles have a lot of mouths to feed. Like, the running back rotation was very surprising to a lot of people. Both of us, I think, included. Nobody thought Darren Sproles and Miles Sanders were basically going to equal snaps and Jordan Howard was going to be third. That was not predicted. We did not think Sproles was going to be that big a part of the running back by committee backfield. But this is what it is to never have all the starters together and to still be figuring out the distribution of touches. So, like... I think the Eagles offense is going to continue to be in for some potentially slow starts in week two and in week three and in week four, because they're going to continue experimenting with things to figure out which personnel sets, which play calls work the best against what, who gels together, who's good at these areas of the field, because it's more, it's far, far, far more important to have those different personnel sets and have that depth and have that versatility in week 15 than it is to get off the quick starts in week three. You feel me? Absolutely. And as you were saying, you know, when it was 17, nothing, I, w- I was, I was upset. I was, I was confused. I was annoyed. There were a lot of different emotions going on, but at no point did I say, gee, Mike, did I really overestimate this team that it's one quarter? It's we can't be so reactionary about this stuff. And yeah, I mean, there was stuff about the the play calling that that really ticked me off in the beginning of the game. I didn't like some of the stuff where they were taking the ball out of Wentz's hands and throwing bubbles and doing those stupid tosses and and everything like that. Like you have a stable of wide receivers that are good at working the intermediate to deep areas of the field. Take the handcuffs off a little bit. I know I, I, I argued for a lot of zero to one step concepts and stuff like that, but let's not totally latch him to a telephone pole and just say just well, I mean, like, come on. Carson Wentz on third down, especially in the second half. Oh, yeah. Looked like 2017 Carson Wentz on third down. What was that? It was outside of the pocket, creation, doing stuff on the fly. The third and 15 to Zach Ertz, where he had to... Third and 15 to Zach Ertz, the third and seven to, I believe it was Alshon, right? And then there was another third down as well. I can't remember. I remember there were three particularly where I was like, these are the 2017 third down plays. Because Mm -hmm. Carson, in the pocket... Look for my read. Okay, it's taken away. Maybe it's there. Maybe it's not there. For whatever reason, I'm not taking it. Pocket collapses. I'm going to escape. I'm going to survive. I'm going to make a play outside of it. And as we said in 2017, that was uh, that that play was a candidate for regression. That third down conversion rate the Eagles had in 2017 was always going to regress down. But Wentz went from having those plays to not being athletic enough, not being healthy enough for whatever, you know, escapability, comfort in the pocket, you know, fear of being hit. He didn't have that sort of a play in 2018. He did it multiple times in this first game of 2019. That's a big takeaway for me is that big difference between first half, second half, where obviously the Eagles went from, you know, on on a 22 point run or whatever it was 25 point run in the second half Wentz outside of the pocket was a huge difference the thing about those zero to one step ideas the thing about those shallow throws the thing about those you know vertical progressions you know one to two to three those level concepts that that start deep and end up shallow is there not bubbles 
quick <laughs> concept yeah. right on yeah and bubbles right quick concepts ball comes out fast but also Wentz stays in the pocket and while he's not a bad pocket passer you want to bring him out of the pocket either naturally or by by creativity by by the author of his own design the design of his own authoring okay whatever <laughs> it, you want him to be outside of the pocket uh, because he's he's one of the most effective quarterbacks in the league there and that was something you saw him do very very well against the Redskins especially in the second half clearly some confidence that that you know got built up clearly some rust getting knocked off as at like again like like do we expect them to go down 17 nothing no but the I think the the slow rise of the Eagles offense throughout the game was to be expected for a, a unit that has introduced a lot of new pieces and did not play together in the preseason. And let's talk about where it turned around for the Eagles. And this is where I really personally got my confidence back. Like, okay, this is this is the spark. It was the 51-yard touchdown to Deshaun to pull it within 10 before the half. And Deshaun, and, and look, there are a lot of things that we pound the table for in the offseason. There are some things that we really just slam bodies through the table for. One of mine was getting Deshaun in the slot in reduced splits. Both of the bombs to him were from a reduced alignment from the slot in trips. He gets locked up on Norman on the first one who's got outside leverage, just runs past him. There's no way that Norman's keeping up with him on that. He's got no help over the top. It predictably goes bad for Norman. Then on the next one, the next bomb to Deshaun was just as pretty. 53-yard touchdown. Wentz changed this play at the line, and what ends up happening is you have a safety responsible for the middle of the field. With Nelson Aguilar running right at him, it kind of looked like a smash divide where you've got those two vertical routes attacking. Yes, sir. I'm about to say that's the Adam Divide concept, brother. <laughs> so Monte Nicholson is looking at Nelson Aguilar streaking at him. And to his left, he's got Deshaun Jackson streaking at him. And he's got to make a choice based on the coverage that they're in. He's not getting any help there. So he decides to take the middle of the field. I think Wentz could have thrown it to either Aguilar right. or Deshaun and gotten well, a touchdown. Yeah. Charles Davis, who was commentating the game, you know, said that that. Monte Nicholson made the incorrect read, like made the wrong choice of going on Aguilar. And it's really not the case in the sense that divide is a middle field closed open read, right? When you when you are middle field closed, as the, the, the Redskins were with a single high safety, a player in the middle of the field, you're reading that player. Right. And wherever he doesn't go, you make him wrong by throwing it to then the open player. Mm-hmm. So you know, and, and they did show Wentz's eyes on that play. Wentz, you know, he checks the route stems, and then he's looking at Nicholson. It's like, wherever you go, I'm delivering the ball to the opposite spot. And with Jackson and Aguilar, you have two true 4-4 players. Yeah. Puts some air under it and let the guys go get it. Deshaun. <laughs> Dude! Can we give out the game ball? I don't want to wait any longer. I'm going to give out my game ball to Deshaun Jackson. Eight catches, 154 yards, two touchdowns on 10 targets. That's incredible. And he was the juice that this offense needed to get back on track. He was not only great on the two bombs, he was great in the intermediate areas. The guy got it done, man. He was right. on fire and uncoverable for a little bit there. And that's the thing about, about Deshaun, right? That's the thing about Jackson. The Eagles offense was struggling. It was 17 to nothing. Second quarter was dwindling. They needed something. Yeah. You only need one play to go 55 yards when Deshaun Jackson's on the field, and that's what it is. I mean, the Eagles had two shot play touchdowns right around the 50 where it was, we're going to get Deshaun going deep, not on the outside, too. Again, like you said, like inside in an, in an interior in a slot alignment. Yeah. And if we've got him, we're going to help. We're going to hoist it. We're going to send it. You know, and that's that's a... You know, people have talked about the dynamic speed deep threat that Carson Wentz has been missing. That's what he's able to give you, just that shot in the arm. Correct. In terms of the offense has been a bit anemic. Well, you know, one play, we're going to take the deficit from 17 to 10, put things that we're going to get a little more comfortable. We're going to get a little more under control. We're going to be, you know, we're going to be good. We don't have to feel like we have to get all 17 back at once. 
you know, we just got it here. We got it, we got it down to 10. We're, we're in a closer spot right now. And that's the other thing is that comeback was nice and methodical. It was never too desperate. It was never, then the game never felt out of reach. You know, we got it down to 10. Then it was 13. Got it to six. Got a stop. Took it to one. And Doug, you know, and this is something that I think Jimmy Kemsky said, that choice to go for on fourth and a half yard <laughs> at the Eagles 34 was massive. That ends up being seven points. That's that's Peterson. And that's why Peterson does that. Because mm-hmm. that, that sort of a play adds seven points. Well, when Peterson went for it on fourth and two and field goal range in the first quarter, or I think it was the, the beginning of the second quarter, yeah, that play the took 30. away three points. Right. Yeah. That play took away three points because the Eagles didn't get it and it would have been a, a field goal attempt for most teams. Mm-hmm. That's what Peterson is. Is that like, you know, sometimes you're not going to get it. But when you get it, I mean, it it, it, it led to a touchdown that made the, the game a one-possession series. That was the beginning of the turn of the tide for Philly. Right. So that's that that's a great microcosm example. The Eagles went one for two on fourth down, but both attempts had an effect on the scoreboard. What if you flipped the when one they that were. they got? Right. Yeah. What if you flipped when they were? You just you're coming out with a different outcome. For, as far as the results go, let's say the first one made it, the second one did it. Like the process was good, so I don't want to be like results based and bashing the Eagles for not scoring right. a bunch early. It was just bad luck. I mean, that's how it happens. On the same uh, coin. Yep. Exactly. It's a seven point lead, twenty seven twenty, and the Eagles choose to go for two. Make this a two possession game. It's I it, what what that question essentially boils down to, right? It's like all right, if we go for two, which let's we have whatever percent chance of getting it. The Eagles get you know convert on sixty percent hypothetically of their two point conversions. So we have a sixty percent chance of making this a two possession game, or we have a forty percent chance of failing to get it. Right. And then that allows the, the Redskins uh, to just kick the extra point and tie it. So that's the options for the Eagles. If they elected to kick the extra point, then the Redskins, that it's subsequently a seven point game, or excuse me, subsequently an eight point game. And now it's pretty much on the Redskins. What's the percent chance that they can tie it? Well, it's a percent chance of them hitting a two point conversion. Right. So if you think you're better at hitting a two point conversion than they are, which the Eagles almost certainly do because they try it a lot more and they're better at it. Mm-hmm. It makes sense from a win loss perspective to just go for the two then. You're more likely to get it than they are. And so you go ahead and you, you make that a two possession game. So that this is, again, this is, you know, uh, Peterson who is out there running third and one tosses to Darren Sproles. There's always issues with the play calling. Mm. But when you have a head coach who coaches aggressively, you get put in good positions to win football games. Yeah. You still have to execute. And Darren Sproles, on a naked toss, by the way, it's not a power toss, but on a naked toss, converted the two-point conversion. Didn't work on third and one, worked on the two-point conversion, right. Eagles are up by two scores. So you see what, what we're saying here. Yeah, exactly. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. You live by the sword, you die by the sword. Now, I was wondering your thoughts, too, on some of the tweaks that the offense makes. Like you said, they come out, they try some things, it doesn't work. I thought the offense was a little too cutesy. They were doing some 21 personnel stuff, they were doing some fancy stuff. I just thought that you, you just need to kind of like... Boil it down and let Wets go out there and sling the rock. And I start. I think they started to do that a lot more in the second half. But uh, when they were down twenty to seven, still in the beginning of the second half, what really turned things around for them was the scoring drive of twelve plays, seventy-five yards. I didn't love how they started out this drive. They were ineffective running, including a third and five run in their own territory with Sproles to set up that fourth and one that we talked about. Which the sneak, by the way, let's just sneak it every time from now on. Like teams know it's coming, never fails, and it <laughs> converts. Every time. But then you get some good gains from Sproles. You get some good gains from Miles Sanders. We saw more 12 personnel. And I'm telling you, Ben, when I chart this game, I almost know for a fact, because I was paying attention to this, I almost know for a fact that the Eagles offense is going to be more effective in my charting, at least from a success rate standpoint when passing the ball, and definitely 
running the ball, but in, in, in all areas. So I like the heavy 12 that they started to use. They even had the, the touchdown to Jeffrey, that little, the, the tunnel screen type thing. Was that, I don't know if that was 12 personnel, if that was Dillard in there, but I know Dillard was in there as like an extra tight end. Yeah, Dillard was in there. That, that's what you would call, like, you would call it 12A or you would call it 11A in the sense that you're indicating that, yes, like technically, like, cause, cause the, the, the personnel counts are predicated on the idea that there's five linemen. Yeah. Right. And so you have to somehow indicate when you're marking that personnel from a, an, a defense running the offense perspective that, that there's actually six offensive linemen. So you would have, uh, there's like that addition of the A often indicates that there's six offensive linemen in. Right. And then two, like even with the, with the Jeffrey one, right. with the first, with the first one, the, the drive that I was talking about, let me go back to that real quick before I kick it to you, but they're deep in the deep red zone. Simple spacing concept for what it looked like for me, where a bunch stack ends up with Alshon Jeffrey being covered by John Bostick. Like the Eagles still have it when it comes to scheming up guys on guys in the red zone. They just have too many weapons. You end up with Jeffrey on Bostick. That's going to be a win a hundred times out of a hundred. And Wentz just slung that bad boy in there. But what do you think overall from the slight adjustments that the Eagles made throughout the game? Twelve personnel, Michael. Twelve <laughs> all the problems. No, when, oh. when you when you when you looked at the right that that. The opening drive of the third quarter. Yeah. Philadelphia comes out in 12 personnel, and they're using the tight end wing alignment. And this is a, a particular alignment. Like, we all love 12 personnel, right? But then there's a particular alignment within 12 personnel, which is a tight end wing, which we really, really love. This is where you have two wide receivers to one side. Yeah. And then to the opposite side, you have the tight end and, and the wing, so the, like the H-back, the tight end who's back off the line of scrimmage both on the same side of the field. This is problematic in terms of what it presents from a run-fill perspective, and it's something that the Rams found out in a big way in the Week 15 matchup last year. Michigan found out about it against Army with that bubble that they were creating on the edge, and they were able to run all over them. Right. <laughs> exactly. Like all football is the same. You know what I mean? Nothing ever changes. Um, what happens is if, if you're trying to keep your secondary balanced, if you're trying to keep a corner on both sides of the field, well, you now have a corner who's head up over... Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard. Mm. That blocking situation is not going to go well for your play for, for your corner. Right. He's not. He's now a primary run fill defender, and that's simply not where he's going to be at his most successful. So that opening drive of the second half, seventy five yard plays, took seven minutes. You had uh, Darren Sproles up the middle for four yards. You had Darren Sproles left end for eight yards. Darren Sproles left guard for 17 yards. Miles Sanders up the middle for 19 yards. These were a lot of 12 personnel runs, and they were creating the, the holes off of the blocks of the tight end. You can run duo out of that. You can run inside zone out of that. You can motion the H back, motion the wing, and now you can run split zone out of that, or you can fill with him. So you can run full blocks, and you can run arc blocks out of that. You can incorporate read option if you want to. There's a ton of running concepts that come from that particular look which was very successful. The running game generally did quite well for Philadelphia, in which the is a thing half. that then yeah, in the second half, sure. We had 11 miles Sanders carries, only 25 yards. He had that long of 19, so 10 of his other carries went for 6 yards. Uh, so Sanders was struggling early. Yeah. But Sproles 9 for 47, Howard 6 for 44. Howard looked spry. You're solid. I do buy a little bit into this idea that the Eagles are trying to trade Howard. I do, cuz they traded for him and he got the third most carries. On the team, and, and also, <laughs> right. I mean, he got two passes, but overall, like overall touches wise, he was third out of the running backs, and that, and that so can like, switch every week. But it's not like they're trying right. to make him like a featured part of the offense. He's just a guy in a committee. Yeah. So yeah, either way, I um I was impressed with the success of the running game. It was clear the offensive line significantly improved their play in the second half. Mm -hmm. uh, speaking of lines and improving in the second half, the scariest thing for me on the defensive side of the ball, if you don't mind me transitioning, in that first half, they could not get the Keenum. I mean, Keenum was yeah. snug as a bug in the rug in the pocket. 
that ain't how it's supposed to be for this team. And like, you know, we knew the secondary of this team is inconsistent. We know that Jim Schwartz puts his corners on islands at St. Levy. Like, you know, the, the, it is what it is. The pass rush has to be able to consistently get there with four. It struggled to do so early. They couldn't get there with the blitz either. You know what, Ben? Let's, let's, let's reset. Let's talk about it after the break, and we're going to get into right, the defense. Right, we have to do commercials. I can't just change it to the defense if I want to. I'm not allowed. we got to pay some bills. When we come back here on the Kiss and Solak show, we'll talk about the defensive side of the ball. Then Ben will give out his game ball, I'm sure, it's to Deshaun, and we'll talk about some other takeaways from this week one win for the Eagles. Final score, 32-27. We'll be right back. And we are back here on the Kist and Solak Show, episode 115. Michael Kist here with Benjamin Solak. This is all brought to you by SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. So, Ben, before I cut you off with the defensive side of the ball, let me just let me just add a quick note here because we're going to the defense here, and I want to make sure I fit this in. Malik Jackson, defensive tackle, was seen with a walking boot post-game. Oy. He's getting an MRI on Monday. Malik said it's, quote, just a little injury, football. We'll see what the doctors say. Unquote. So there's your update on Malik Jackson's injury, which is going to be that, that would be tough for the Eagles, because as you were alluding to, and I'll transition this way, the Eagles pass rush was not getting there, especially early on in the game. And even when they were bringing heat that seemed to be timed up with the Redskins going play action, going max protect, and it was giving Keenum time with these corners one on one on an island to free up a burner like Terry McLaurin, who was a guy that we were worried about is like maybe the only vertical threat on this team. Yeah, so McLaurin clearly is an issue, and they got it right with him. Yeah. I mean, third-round draft pick, had his fair share of fans, had his fair share of detractors, uh, wasn't a huge part of the Ohio State passing attack. Could not explain to you why, <laughs> because he clearly can play, play a little ball. Because they wanted to play mesh, and they wanted to throw the shallow crossers to Paris Campbell and let him run after right. the catch all the time, yeah. Eight Rasul Douglas alive, yeah. and also... Burned the pants off Cindy Jones. Yeah. Keenum just missed him across the middle. I like someone. I like that. someone added you after Rasul got burned. Like, hey, you got this wrong, Ben. And then Sydney comes in and he gets equally just as burned, maybe right. even more so. I mean, <laughs> so I was saying Jones should start. I'm not even going to throw it in your face. And I will. And here's the thing: is like I will say the thing that I say every single time we talk about Rasul Douglas. <laughs> he's going to get burned. Yeah, he just makes more plays than the other guys. Do. Right. So if you're going to put him out there, you're going to give up some big touchdowns. You're going to give up some big plays. You're also going to get. He had a pass breakup. Uh, you're going to get pass breakups, and you're going to get interceptions as well. Speaking of interceptions, Ronald Darby got to learn how to catch a dog on football. Oh, my God. His ball skills tick me off, man. Even in the air when he's just going to bat him down. His, it's always been an issue for him finding, yes. tracking the ball, and making a play on the ball. And I think he's a really – I think he's I got the potential to be a really good corner, but his ball skills really concern me, man. So there's that. There's that. And then Sydney, who – and got toasted a little bit, had a good third down stop against Vernon Davis. Mm-hmm. Still remains a player who I like much better off the ball than I do up at the line of scrimmage, yeah. which is tricky when you project better to the nickel where you really have to play more up at the line of scrimmage, regardless. At least in the Eagles defense, I should say, you have to play up more in your line of scrimmage. Now, so secondary is what it is. I saw zero things from Rodney McLeod. Yeah, man. Which is very interesting to me. Yeah. Because there was a lot of success throwing to the middle of the field. I don't know where McLeod was. This is not necessarily an indictment on McLeod. You have to watch all 22 film to best understand kind of where the safeties are being deployed. But it seemed like the safeties were being asked to do a lot of cutting off of routes over the intermediate areas of the field. And they weren't. Which is what the Eagles were doing like against Tennessee and against Tampa last year. Those were games that they lost by giving up yards through the air. So we got to see what kind of the situation is there. Like I said, you know, uh, Schwartz ran a lot of more of trap coverages 
last year we had McLeod in, then they moved away from them afterwards. That's when they kind of stuck with that whole keep everything in front of you and rally defense. So we might be back to trap coverage stuff now, which again, works sometimes and it doesn't work other times. From four, woke up a little bit. Brandon Graham was the, the, the biggest standout for me. Derek Barnett had three quarterback hits. I could not tell you where a single one happened, to Same. be honest. Um, <laughs> right. Which like, and I don't really think that's me being, being mean on Barnett, who had two offsides penalties. That's me being mean on Barnett. <laughs> that's been an issue I didn't see his three quarterback form. hits. Yeah, I really didn't. Uh, Timmy Jernigan had the nice sack on the twist, which, which was good. And we kind of got things woken up a little bit. I thought Hassan Ridgeway played well. Mm. Uh, they had Josh Sweat in a lot for the second half, especially when they went on that last drive off of the Redskins. And, and Sweat was looking like he was doing some good stuff against Morgan Moses. The talent's there. Just got to, you know, the, the the pass rush is going to be the life and the death of this defense. I mean, they nearly gave up 30 to the Redskins. They'll regularly give up 30 to opposing teams if the pass rush can't. Yeah. Is going to play like they did in the first half and not be able to get home. This was the reality of the Eagles last season. Also, critically, it was the reality of the Eagles in their Super Bowl winning season. <laughs> like, let's not pretend like the Eagles haven't survived on this before. It's always been the case. The thing is, if the Eagles offense can also pour on 30, then we're going to be in every game. And, you know, the Eagles offense put up... 30 points in 33 minutes. So we're good, you know, in that, in that, in that regard. So it's it's going to be the nature of the Eagles. The Eagles do not have a lockdown secondary. They do not have guys who lock down a man-to-man coverage. Uh, they win when, they're, when their pass rush wins. This this Redskins offensive line played a lot better than I expected. Um, they're going to see some good offensive lines and better offensive lines. they got to be able to win with four. So what we can do to expand on this is when the coaches' film drops on NFL Game Pass, of course, we're going to be taking an in-depth look at it, and we'll record after the fact. So you'll get an even more scheme breakdown, individual player breakdowns, because it's hard to talk about these safeties. But I think you're right, Ben. I thought Rodney McLeod struggled a little bit. I thought Andrew Sandejo struggled to, be, uh, to begin the game. I thought the first half, man, there, there was so much spacing issues and picking up routes for the whole defensive backfield. Avante Maddox got victimized a couple of times. He didn't look great. I thought there was a lot of struggles in that backfield and I'm trying to think man I was I was thinking who would I give a defensive game ball to uh, obviously Brandon Graham is just going to be steady Eddie you know he sniffed out that screen right away he's one of the best processors in the game for his position but mm-hmm. Nigel Bradham maybe I thought Bradham played pretty well for the most part but like who, who would you give yeah. your defensive game ball to Brandon Graham Fletcher Cox yeah on, on, a, on a defense without many impact plays they had some impact plays. Okay. That's it for me, pretty much. Um, <laughs> I guess if I watch it back through, Derek Barnett had three quarterback hits. We'll go see if those were good or not. Right. Fun fact, just saw Zach Berman of The Athletic. Congrats, Zach. On the timeline, Carson Wentz, third down passing stats, 12 for 13 for 197 yards, <laughs> three touchdowns, six first downs. Now, critically, he is not including touchdowns as first downs. So that's nine of 13 conversions. Three of which were touchdowns. Yeah. And then a fourth down. I'm not positive. <laughs> I'm not. I wouldn't call myself an expert, Mike. Right. But that might be good. Yeah. Math is too hard for me to say if that's good or not. I need the all 22 for that as well. Right. Now, ideally, your offense isn't always getting to like third and 15. Correct. Absolutely. That's not great. But that was 2017 as well. But Carson's so good at third downs, <laughs> man. It's unbelievable. <laughs> it is incredible. And an update as well that I that I saw after the game, Brandon Brooks got the start at guard, man. His timetable to return was crazy. And because of that, part of the reason that he was taken out of the game, actually the whole reason that he was taken out was just for maintenance, just for load management. The the team wanted to make sure that they weren't putting too much stress on him in his first game back. So if you saw a big V in there in the second half in Brandon Brooks's place, it is not because of Brandon Brooks had a setback. It was just some load management from the Eagles part. And I thought Big V, I mean, when Big V was in there, the running game started going as well, along with that 12 personnel. So those are all very, very good signs. And kind of as we scroll through the uh, the stat sheet here, 
What about Zach Ertz, five for fifty-four? I thought he had a really good game uh, in his in his limited touches. Alshon Jeffrey, five for forty-nine. When when they, I thought Wentz showed some some more trust in him and throwing to tight windows for him. Dallas got her only two for sixteen, man. But I guarantee you, when we put on the film and we watch some of those runs that started to bust out, that we're going to see a very good performance from him as well. He almost had that catch along the sideline that Wentz put in there, and Monte Nicholson showed some range to get over and break that up. And Nelson Aguilar, quite quiet with two receptions for 11 yards. I really didn't notice him in the game at all, which is even more of a He was getting some more early targets, and then they kind of transitioned away from him. Yeah. There's only one thing that matters here. (laughs) What's that? Three targets for Dallas Goddard reprehensible three <laughs> targets for jordan howard you tell me those are the same players how dare you um no when they threw the screen to jordan howard i'm thinking why why him why why open field demon right. jordan howard also because screen game wasn't not working this game right i was like listen that that screen to jordan howard it was touchdown drive in the beginning of the third quarter mm. three and out on the redskins punt good return by sproles the ball was at the 46 this is shot play territory, exactly. brother. This is where we throw That's him. what I'm talking about. Carson Take Wentz the goes under center. Carson, <laughs> Carson Wentz goes under center, 12 personnel. I said, this is it. This is it. They do play and action. He, he drops, right, right. They play action. I was like, this is it. And he saw Deshaun <laughs> and Alshon flying. Yeah. I was like, this is it. Yep. And then Jordan Howard leaked out for a screen. I was like, like come I on. <laughs> Yeah. I think that was part of my disappointment, too, because it had all the makings right. of a shot play, the play action, all of that. I'm, uh, I was right. like, oh, man. not come To on. that point. As has been the case since 2016 when he first took over this team, Peterson, I don't want to say retained Chip Kelly's, you know, like horizontal stretch concepts because they're not the same. Right. But much like Kelly, Peterson values the horizontal stretch, the quick play that gets to the boundary very fast that makes the defense cover all 53 and a third yards Mm. that go from sideline to sideline. Peterson has always valued the horizontal stretch. The Eagles offensive plays are almost invariably better when they're not horizontal stretch plays. <laughs> like, they, they run them. Yeah. Because, okay, because we talk about these concepts, this this phrase I, I use very frequently on the podcast called constraint plays. Mm. And a constraint play is a, is, a, is a play that you run, even if it will not be the most effective play for that down, which is, like, a very impactful sentence. You know, the big analytics movement in, in NFL Twitter and NFL circles are about maximizing every play for every down. A constraint play, which coaches objectively use yeah peterson objectively uses constraint plays for sure are not predicated on maximizing the epa of a particular down so this is like a, a, a conflated idea here but constraint plays are plays that are designed to force the defense to respect an idea and that idea is built and baked into other more dynamic explosive down the field concepts that are expected to, to return big gains how dynamic and explosive would those concepts be if not for the constraint plays we don't know maybe constraints plays are totally vestigial and we don't realize it, but people run them. So we run the bubble screens so that we can run fake smoke routes and then hit you know big plays deep. We run the bubble screens to force defenders to flow upfield to be closer to the line of scrimmage so it's easier to get behind them. That's the basic premise, right? Mike talked about smash divide. Smash divide was the, the, the concept on which Deshaun Jackson scored his touchdown. You had two deep receivers against one deep safety. Big advantage for the offense. Well, that third route by Alshon Jeffrey, which you know did not go deep, was a little three-step hitch. And the Eagles, you know, anecdotally, the story is by coaches that you need to throw that three-step hitch to make the defense respect it, even if it only get you four yards, so that you can throw the divide concept over the top when it's time to go get the touchdown, mm. right? That's kind of the story of constraint plays. So the Eagles run these horizontal stretch plays. They're an important part of their offense. They're constraint plays that inherently build the fundamental uh, blocks upon which the offense is founded. How necessary are they? We don't really know. But 
all of those bubble screens, all of those screens, you know, that 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 play action, then it fake the deep shot, and then the, the, the play to Howard, the screenplay, whatever. That's all kind of what that what those ideas are built off of. That's that's the the narrative. That's the the interplay of deep shots and, and these shallow routes. Uh, I don't remember why I started talking about this, <laughs> but, but gonna, I did. Look, we're we're gonna be fighting over over what to write about for bleedinggreennation.com as far as our film breakdowns because there's some. Stuff. It's been a long time since we've had uh, real film, brother. I'm very very excited not only to write those articles but to record with you after we break down the film to see what we saw. We finally have some fresh sweet film to watch. Ben, you know what we also have? The return of it's three words with the gentle listeners. <gasps> Of VGN. So at VGN underscore radio after the game, I asked for three words from you. We're going to be doing this every week. We'll read the best ones out, maybe give some extra analysis. I mean, I'll just start out with the first one that's pretty obvious. At Billy Umson says, wake up earlier. Obviously, that would be friggin' fantastic because then we wouldn't get takes like this one, which is from my buddy Patrick Meredith, loyal listener. Sorry, Patrick, but at Patrick Meredith 77, fire Jim Schwartz, brother. It is way too early for that, my man. <laughs> I, I would bet a good amount of money that over the course of 16 regular season games, we will get 16 Fire Jim Schwartzes. Oh. At least. At least. Absolutely. Eagles will win a game 40-7. to seven. <laughs> Like, why is he still employed by this team? Yeah. We have, from what I can see, three Deshaun effing Jacksons. Yep. We have one D Sean Jackson, where he just put a space between D and Sean, and at NFL Go Eagles, that's cheating. Uh, as always, as is the policy for those of you who might be new to the podcast, when we say three words, we put out a tweet from the BGN radio account. You send three words to describe the Eagles game. If you don't use three words, we accuse you of cheating and we refuse to read it on the podcast. However, we have to read it out loud to accuse you of cheating. So it really actually works quite well. Yeah. So the three word is kind of like a general thing. At, at Philly 4 for 4, for example, uh, it says Deshaun is back. And then right after that, his three words are F the Cowboys. Like, yeah, F the Cowboys for sure. But we are not going to read that out. We are not going to encourage that and put yeah. your Twitter you name You will here. not. By giving us multiple <laughs> responses, we will never read them out never. at Philly 4 for 4 who wrote two responses that we read. It won't happen. <laughs> At, um, at e underscore creator money down Wentz. it really does feel like yes, like money like down Wentz is back i like that one at playing underscore opossum says almost headed out which i hope is not referring to behavior in lincoln financial stadium no no can i can i explain that can i explain that one to you because yeah, go for it yeah my, my son was was watching the game with me on twitter and you know you know the spongebob meme all right i'm gonna head out so i'll do this three yeah, words yeah. for my for my son so i'm gonna say the first half was I'm going to head out, and then my three words for the second half were, I, I'm going to stay. That's good, that's good. And then I saw another one that I liked a fair bit. Somebody said didn't cover the spread, which is true. It was very disappointing. Yeah, so I, was, I, believe... I was thinking about that because the spread was 10, and then they were able to get down or 9.5 or whatever it was. <laughs> okay, here's here's another complete failure to follow the rules from Pond 3 <laughs> who was definitely submitted before, so come on. Hashtag comeback, hashtag welcome back, hashtag that's my quarterback. That's Jeez. three hashtags, one of which is one word, another of which is two words, and another of which is three words. So, like, there's a weird, like, counting thing that went on here, but this definitely still does not count. Yeah. Uh, and then at Jeremy F, whatever big numbers, who's our, our buddy from afar, uh, said Doug's Monster Balls, which we also, I think, will probably get 16 tweets about dog's balls because that's a very frequent one as well pretty much yeah pretty much every week kevin at knuckle curve 420 great great twitter name there uh redskins are trash and the reason i I read that out with the trash emoji so that's nice it's not a word but we accept emojis as single words as long as the emoji represents a single word just so we're clear on the rules but uh, i I read that one out to kind of say okay it's week one 
the Eagles won pretty easily after some, you know, early, the, the rough first half. We don't need to beat our chest over it, but we also, you know, we don't have to completely dismiss it because this was a, a win against a divisional opponent. So we shouldn't poo poo it either. It's a solid start. The offense figured things out. We're hoping that the offense looks more like the second half offense than the first half offense. I'm just glad, man, because Ben, I, I think you're with me on this too, that when, when the tweets started coming in, in the first half, mm-hmm. we were concerned, but we were also at the same time like, man, it is a chore to just deal with all of the reactionary negativity, like right out the gate. Like, I almost fear the Eagles not being successful, not because I want them to succeed, just because I don't want, I don't want to, it's got to be exhausting to be, to cover a losing team. Right. We've never covered a team, me and you doing this together, have never covered a team that have not gone to the playoffs. Like, I wonder what's that low. What is that like for a, for a Browns podcast or, or radio show guy that, that has been hyping them up all off season. They put the mission accomplished banner up and everything like that. And then they come out and lay a stinker against the Titans. Yeah, they got pants by the Texans. The Titans, that was a weird one. Here's my, <laughs> here's my thing. And I circle back out of the point we started on. Yeah. Just you like do like, like enjoy the team however you want. Right. <laughs> yeah. True. I, I, I really, really mean this. Like enjoy the team however you want. Like, my transition from fan to media member has made me like like four years ago, I would have been losing my mind over that start, right? And as Same. I was like like joined the media, I just like kind of like, you know, I don't know, like it, it like the, the the ups and downs have doled for me. You know, they've kind of leveled out. Yeah. Good or bad, that's the case. I think we've also become more patient with things as we go because we've just known right. that we can predict things all the time. Football's freaking chaos, like we say all the time. And sometimes bad things happen for decent reasons right and the thing is like it's not like we haven't you know podcasted about like really disappointing losses Mm -hmm. and like you know like the tennessee loss last year where like we didn't even know what to say they they won the game and then they just lost it which was stupid right (laughs) so watch the team however you want enjoy the game however you want do things however you want and i will also do the same (laughs) and subsequently when you know i say things like you know i think I, i tweeted out like it's a shame that the eagles like both the eagles game and the eagles season are now over after 20 minutes of the game. <laughs> no reason to take that personally. Yeah. Just I was just, feeling. you know, being smarmy about the fact that I don't think these first 20 minutes matter that much. Yeah. Today, I, 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 I think I got that part right. Tomorrow, you'll get it right, and you can at me about it all you want. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I tweeted that, but I also tweeted, you know, corner 10 yards off and 33, the Jim Schwartz special. It's right. not like I was like all sunshine and daisies when the Eagles were down 17 nothing, yeah. giving up third down conversions. Exactly. Didn't, like, you know, that was... Annoying stuff. Enjoy the win. I also Eagles win. Yeah, <laughs> Eagles win. I also uh, to you know read one more tweet shamelessly. Yeah, because uh, I want to bring this up when Peterson elected to make the 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 Redskins repunt after Sproles returned it to the thirty, not like to the forty, to the thirty. <laughs> the Eagles fans who've been booing a lot were booed, and I was so proud <laughs> that they were upset about the decision to force a repunt on a holding penalty. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> Didn't even know you could do that. It's incredible. Um, But they're very upset about it, and it made me laugh. (laughs) Fantastic. All right, so that's going to do it. Eagles win 32-27 week one action. So we we survived the hiccups. Maybe, hopefully, that's the biggest hiccup is that first half there. Next week, we are on to the Atlanta Falcons, and that is a Sunday night game. Primetime, baby in Atlanta. So that's going to be a big one, man. And Atlanta didn't look great in the first week. Sometimes that happens, man. Sometimes very good teams come out slow out the gate right. and they get blown out. 
just like the Falcons did today. What was the what was the final score of their game? Let me let me see if I can. It was twenty one nothing at the half to Kirk Coupons. So it doesn't really matter what the final score was. You've already like failed your family there. That's that's a great point. So yeah, sometimes things happen, and I still think the Falcons are a very talented team that could sneak it up. It was twenty eight to twelve by the end Jeez, of the game. Goodness, can you imagine being beat like that by Kirk Coupons? I can't. Ben, would you like to say goodbye to the gentle? Gentle listeners. I'm just racking my brain to make sure the Eagles didn't actually lose a bad game to Kirk Cousins when he was on the Redskins. I'm pretty sure they didn't. Don't anyway. call attention to it if they did, you dummy. Just say well, goodbye. I'm trying to remember. <laughs> Thank you, as always, for listening to the Kist and Solak Show here on Bleeding Green Nation. This was the first radio. Bleeding Green Nation radio. This is a listening thing. It's not a reading thing. This was the first. <laughs> post-game podcast here between Mike and myself. As you very well know by this point, BGN Radio is so excited to be expanding yet again, due in large part, if not in totality, uh, to your listenership and to your support. We're excited to be bringing on Sam Wilson and Jessica Town uh, to start the Babes on Broad podcast. That, I think, is the only thing I'm allowed to announce right now. <laughs> I, I believe I haven't gotten final, 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 final confirmation on the other one, right. but it's pretty much final. I'm not going to announce. I'm going to tease it. So stay yeah, tuned. No, no, no. It's, it's, it's not mine to announce. I just for the people who, who may not have seen it on Twitter <laughs> yeah. and listen to the show. Uh, a new show, Babes on Broad, with, again, Sam Wilson and Jessica Town coming to the BGN Radio uh, feed and into the family. We are thrilled yeah. to have them, just as we hope you are thrilled to have us back for another regular season. If you did enjoy the show, uh, I hope you did. Go ahead and leave a rating, a review, and a subscription on iTunes or on a different app that we will never look at ever. So, you know, do it on iTunes. The upcoming week, you will see all 22 breakdowns and reviews, both on the feed and on BleedingGreenNation.com. You will see updates for the Week 2 game against the Atlanta Falcons, both on the feed and on BleedingGreenNation.com. It doesn't get any better than Eagles football, and the coverage doesn't get any better than the BGN family. I'm Ben. He's Mike. Thank you so much for joining us. We all we got. We all we need. Fly, Eagles, fly. I got, like, bang in my beard. I don't know when that happened when we were recording. Bang energy? Yeah. I'll be honest. So so yesterday I was at Purdue Vanderbilt, and I got about four hours of sleep, and then I was a three-hour drive there and a three-hour back. Oh. I was fading hard, and so I, yeah. I pulled over at a gas station. I took a 30-minute nap, and then I woke up. I was like, I got to get home. And I went into the gas station, and I looked at the bang energies, <laughs> and I said, yeah. are we there? Because I've never had one before. I said, are we there? And I proceeded to buy myself a chocolate milk, and I got back in the car. <laughs> Jeez, man! Because you you barely drink soda, so that's that's that would have that would have jacked you up, dude. I Bad. don't drink anything carbonated, or anything alcoholic, or any energy drinks. And I think Bang Energy is like four of the three, so <laughs> I would have died. Car would have just been bouncing on the highway. <laughs> B G N. <laughs>